Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm Amanda. And I'm George. Amanda's in Zephyr A, I'm in Zephyr B. This is season 30 for me and season 26 for Amanda. And this is day 24 of season 98, the penultimate day. <laughs> Question one asks us, essentially, who designed all the Dimaxion things? Specifically, it says an American designer and architect and gives us some dates for these Dimaxian things that are all in the uh, early 20th century. Mm -hmm. And early 20th century designer and architect to me says Buckminster Fuller. Mm. And for lack of anything else, because I figure, well, it's not Frank Lloyd Wright. Because um, I don't think he made cars. Uh, so I'm going to go with Fuller. Yeah, this one is one that I've... Uh, just been to the Henry Ford Museum enough that I have seen the Dimaxion house that they have there mm -hmm. enough times to remember that this is Bucky Fuller um, also the uh, creator of Bucky Balls and and geodesic domes and stuff like that mm -hmm. um, and yeah the Dimaxion house is pretty fun to see um, it's kind of a self-contained aluminum sided you know kind of shaped like a flattened out Hershey's kiss or something. It's yeah. kind of hard to describe how yeah. it's, um, but it's, it's definitely very round mm -hmm. uh, at, at its base and a uh, very interesting concept, of course. Mm. Um, but yes, I, I put down fuller for this as well and pretty confidently. And that was correct. Our Buckminster fuller, in fact. Mm -hmm. Question two asks us what the first three letters in SWAPO stand for and tells us that it was a uh, an African nationalist group and the PO stands for People's Organization. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know this uh, piece of history and so I considered that it might just be, you know, judging by the location of the um, events being in Namibia and Namibia being occupied by its neighbor, whatever that is. Um, and so I... Uh, figured it was either like just a directional thing where this is located in southwest africa but that sounded so somehow um prosaic. i don't know not even prosaic but just like uh i don't even know how to describe it it's like fractally prosaic i uh it just seemed too something for me um and so i thought about how um you know, in some acronyms, you know, three letters of them will stand, you know, two or three letters will stand for a single word, mm -hmm. especially like okay. in military, you know, um, contractions, I guess. You'd... More naval than military, but yes. You've told me so many <laughs> <laughs> that I feel in, confident in, in, US, in my assessment. In U.S. overall DOD parlance, that is a much more common thing in naval abbreviations than in army acronyms fair um but anyway i thought that the swa might refer to another ethnic group that was you know present in the area i ended up putting down swahili because i thought swa that makes uh, a lot of sense that it would just be swahili people's organization sure why not okay uh, so my first thought was southwest something and I thought maybe the fact that this question does not say what neighbor was occupying Namibia mm. had something to do with it. And I thought maybe Angola? 
Uh, hmm. I, I felt like Namibia is southern Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then I realized that uh, Angola was occupied, I think, during this time. Um, uh, or at least was having its own kind of civil war. And I didn't think it was occupying any neighbors. Um, and so I, I figured uh, if we're leaving out the name of the of the occupier it might not be directly named in this uh in this acronym but that it might give a huge hint to the fact that namibia is maybe in the southwest of africa mm-hmm. and it's maybe south africa was the neighbor that was occupying namibia mm. uh, so yeah i i figured with no other clues about you know this uh this organization that was kind of, you know, recognized 50 years ago, um, but which, slight spoiler, still very much dominates Namibian politics. Ah. Um, I figured without some other hint involved that that knowing this thing from 50 years ago was a little, little far afield. Mm-hmm. So that logic, logicking our way into it, uh, I just went with Southwest Africa. Mm-hmm. And that was the correct answer. Wow. Well logic. Yeah. I wish I hadn't just kind of passed Very it by, surprised. thinking it had to be, thinking there had to be a little more logic to it somehow. It, it does seem kind of odd that you would, uh, that you would have a, uh, you know, kind of, essentially political party, especially at this point, where mm-hmm. it very much is one, uh, that was kind of named regionally rather than like you know we are the true Namibian people's yeah. organization rather Indeed. than uh, we're the people's organization of kind of everybody around here yeah i think maybe that's what it what it strikes me as is like if it's trying to designate something like that then there should be some unifying thing about the Mm -hmm. group rather than just like you said we're here yeah thank you that that helps me understand why i just Mm -hmm. thought no it can't possibly be (laughs) just that descript that boringly descriptive right well, apparently the, the people of Namibia don't mind it because it has mm-hmm. been kind of the one party of the state okay. since uh, achieving true independence from South Africa. I see. Uh, question three gives us the uh, sort of uh, global version of GMT, which is UTC, and asks us what the C and the U stand for. So I didn't notice that the C and the U were reversed in the in the, the question part of the question. Mm-hmm. So I just figured, okay, UTC is something time something. And I figured universal time something and kind of let that one sit and went and thought about other things and eventually came back and thought coordinate, universal time coordinate. Mm. That would make sense. It's like, you know, this is the place, i.e. Greenwich, that we've agreed is the origin point of the 24-hour, you know, uh, progression. Right. So, yeah, UTC, universal time coordinate makes sense. I'll say Mm -hmm. universal coordinate. Yeah, I I had a similar thought. I thought universal was pretty plausible for the U, um, but I didn't really have a good clue about the C. Um, I thought perhaps, well, I, I tried to think of what it could possibly be other than code or something that seemed a little too um generic or not generic but like not quite precisely right let's put it that way Mm -hmm. um and i finally landed on 
calibration because I thought mm, we're all yeah, try, here trying to cool. set our clocks to, you know, the the right times. And so, sure, that, that seems like a calibration of a sort. So that's what I put down is universal and calibration. Uh, apparently it's coordinated universal. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I, I kind of don't understand. So does that mean that in English it's coordinated universal time? Is it coordinated time universal? Is it, what's the, I don't get it. So it's UTC. I don't, yeah. I don't, yeah. It's kind of, um, it is a weird one because if you spelled it out with the English words, it'd be universal time coordinated. Yeah. Which doesn't parse particularly well in English usage either. So, like, yeah, it seems like it'd have to be coordinated universal time mm-hmm. with the T at the end. And I don't understand why. Well, I guess the idea is everybody uh, spells it as UTC. Right. So that we're all clear that we're talking about this particular time zone mm-hmm. effectively being the the one, you know, yep. um, the, the zero point or whatever you want to call it. I guess it's like how uh, atomic symbols are the same across all languages, to, mm-hmm. regardless of what the uh, what the element is called in a native language. Right. Like we just we understand that the official scientific abbreviation sort of for gold is AU, even though those letters mm-hmm. aren't at. Yeah, I mean, so, if I yeah, I'm, I'm betting sure. I don't get that, just because it's it's there's a very precise thing that it is and i didn't give that so. mm. i could see either way on that it's it almost fits into like the typo rule if you just you know drop a letter kind of thing um i but... would no- normally agree with that except coordinate and coordinated are different words yeah parts of speech that's yeah. true coordinate is very is is most likely a noun it can be a verb but i'm clearly not using it as a verb in this mm. uh, in this instance Versus coordinated, which is an adjective. So, Oh, well, I guess we'll find out. Yep. Question four asks us for the Austria-based company that owns the reigning Formula One World Constructor Champion racing team. Yeah, and notes that it's uh, Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez in particular, uh, the former of whom I recognize because he's the one who kind of mm. makes the headlines um, that I've seen you know, just coming across my international news feed type things. Um, but the whole Austria-based company kind of threw me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really think of any particular companies being based in Austria at all. Like, I don't know what I would... That I can't even think of more than, you know, the one in this question to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Like Vienna wafers, like what am I gonna, you know? Uh, I, I know it's not gonna be something like that. It's gonna be a high-profile kind of, um, uh, you know, something to do with racing and extreme sports or something. I, you know, I didn't really have a good way to get a handle on this one, you know, not knowing it outright. So um, I, I kind of let my mind wander among. What are large companies I can think of that might sponsor a racing team? Um, and I kind of had an image of my mind, like, for some reason, seeing, like, the color yellow on the uniforms. I've probably seen pictures of this guy along with a headline um, in passing. But that was just a vague impression, and that's really all I had to go on. 
Uh, I ended up going with Shell because I thought, mm, okay. sure, that's yeah. a, you know, a large company. I don't really know where they're headquartered. You know, the yellow color kind of fits with this weird impression I have. So just for a guess, I put down Shell. I believe that globally Shell is headquartered in the Netherlands. Okay. That's less far off than it could be. (laughs) Ah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I have gotten the sort of a variety of this question wrong relatively recently in some other trivia competition. Possibly you ought to know. Mm. I think might have mentioned it at some point. That makes sense. And for some reason, like I, I thought it was Ferrari. Uh, but they mm. didn't have Austria based in that other question. Right? Oh, okay. And yeah. so, so I, I, I initially was thinking, is this Ferrari or did I get it wrong by thinking it was Ferrari? And then I figured <laughs> Ferrari is not based in Austria. Right. I feel relatively confident that it is not relocated <laughs> from, from wherever Italy. in Italy that it originated. Yeah. Uh, so that got me thinking, okay, what's the other one? What, what's the thing that it actually is that I got wrong when I said it was Ferrari? And, and then I thought Red Bull, does that sound right? I feel like that. I feel like that's the thing that it should that I should have answered when I got it wrong. Okay, is Red Bull Austrian? That's insane. On the other hand, I don't know why it wouldn't be. Mm-hmm. They have you know their their ads, which I'm sure are made by a, you know, or could couldn't could easily be made by an American uh, advertising company. But their ads seem very kind of easily globalized. Mm. You know, the the style of animation and just the fact that you can, you know, dub over that very simplistic kind of animation very easily. True. And, you know, render it into a different country. Um, so it just, they just kind of remind me of the uh, Janine Garofalo joke about men, the Mentos ads. How yeah. They kind of draw you in and like, but the only lasting impression is, it, is this German? it's it's clearly foreign but i can't tell where from but yeah so i just kind of figured well i feel like red bull was the answer to a question like this about the f1 champions Mm. or leaders or whatever they uh whatever they call that so i'll just i'll I'll go with red bull that was the correct answer well done go figure gotta hate their ads (laughs) i hate them so much Dumb, Euro, weird, nonsensical, pointless ads for, uh, to be sure, a terrible product. Mm-hmm. So That too. Yeah. Question five, uh, finally going back to something I might have a clue about, asks us, uh, what city in France's Burgundy region is regarded as the mustard capital of the world? So I figured this had to be Dijon, because mm-hmm. that's a... You know, French mustard. That's what you think of when you think of French mustard. Yeah. So if it's not Dijon, then it's a either a French city I've never heard of, or it's a French city I've heard of but never connected to mustard. Right. Uh, and I figured, well, maybe this is like how, you know, uh, champagne has to come from that region. Mm-hmm. And maybe Dijon mustard is a similarly protected classification. Um, but that would make the most sense because, sure. It's, it's got to be Dijon, because that's French mustard. Yeah, I mean, you know, prior to reading this question, I might have said that Dijon was a region in France more than a city. Sure. But, you know, clearly it's the it's the most famous French mustard I can think of. Uh, you know, French's mustard notwithstanding, I guess. But, you know, 
uh, yeah, I just didn't think this could be anything but Dijon. You know, it is a very but of course moment, if you will. <laughs> and that was correct. Question six asks us what song contains the lyrics, I'm laughing at clouds so dark up above, the sun's in my heart and I'm ready for love. Yes, and it gives us the time frames in which it first appeared uh, in the Hollywood Review of 1929 and then further popularized 23 years later. So doing that math, that puts us at 1952. And um, so it, it took me a minute to get away from... Um, I originally thought of this as like I got rhythm because that that fits in with that whole, you know, sort of irrepressible happiness kind of vibe. Um, you know, who could ask for anything more? Sure, that sounds like it could be part of that song. Mm -hmm. But then I kind of, you know, that didn't feel like a great fit. So I, I, you know, my mind kind of wandered around to other things too. And I kind of circled back to the clouds and the sun and you know the, that whole kind of weather theme um, that seemed to be present in those lyrics because um, I didn't recognize them on first glance um, and I thought oh this could be singing in the rain because you're laughing at the clouds and the sun's in your heart but it's not above you um, I thought yeah that sounds like the vibe of singing in the rain very much um, does it make sense that it first appeared in a different uh, venue than in the movie or musical um that became very beloved and iconic sure that you know that's the kind of thing that they would do in those older uh older historical days of hollywood um and of course i suppose they still do it you know people were talking about um uh, across the universe or you could think of moulin rouge kind of doing a similar thing in a way um so it's kind of a time-honored tradition anyway um once i hit upon singing in the rain i thought yeah, that's definitely what that sounds like it's it's pointing towards. Yeah, I kind of did the same thing. I tried singing these lines in my head and then figuring out what came next. And just nothing really nothing really hit. Uh, but I figured, well, it's got to be about weather. So I was thinking, it's raining men. No. <laughs> uh, raindrops keep falling on my head. No, I feel like that was later. Mm -hmm. uh, singing in the rain. Even that, I felt... Because you you do the math, and the, the second time it, you know, it came around was 1954, and or 1952 rather. And I felt like that that seemed late for singing in the rain. Mm. So I tried to think of something else, but I just kept coming back to singing in the rain. Okay. Could it have been early 50s? I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I was kind of thinking like 30s, but mm. I guess it could be post World War II. Sure. And just nothing else that uh, that made that made that weather connection really mm -hmm. really landed for me. So it was essentially between that and raindrops keep falling on my head, and I was just so sure that raindrops was much more modern mm -hmm. uh, than the nineteen fifties. Uh, so I figured, yeah, okay, singing in the rain definitely sounds like a song that could have been written in the twenties. And the musical could have been from the early 50s. Sure, we'll go with that. And that was the correct answer. Well Whew. done. Yeah. I will say I always got, even though the lyrics are a little more cheerful in a way, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head has sort of a mopier, sadder vibe uh -huh. to me. So, um, 
but yeah, it is is quite a bit later. Um, but yeah, it's um. I I guess I need to take this as my mantra for my whole three out of six performance here. Um, and not try to feel too down about it. I'm mostly irked that I couldn't pull the Southwest Africa one. Um, but also it's easy to have a little senioritis about that because <laughs> I think I am locked into, uh, neither be relegated nor goodness knows I'm not going to, uh, get into the top three mm -hmm. of the A Rundle. So, uh, so, you know, I don't have to, to, uh, uh, sweat too much over the, uh, slippage there. Yep. I think you have a shot at a beer, though. Eh. I know you don't I think have, so. I have resigned myself to a five, which will be fine. Here's my rationale. Mm -hmm. um, of course, it does say in English, but I would assume that in other language, it would be something like universal tiempo coordinado mm -hmm. or something like that. So mm -hmm. I wonder if maybe the French version is pretty close to coordinate, coordinate or something like that. Could well be. I don't know. I can hope. We shall see. But that's it for today. So tune in on Tuesday for post-game analysis of the final match day. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow Learned Lag with all the vowels now on Blue Sky. And remember, don't forfeit. Don't cheat.